Hello, welcome to the Dentist Puppet Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Harry Singh, helping you grow your facial aesthetics business. I'm very excited um, for today's guest, um, Dr. Ash Palmer. I've known for a number of years, I won't give away our age, and he was one of the first um, veneer courses I attended when I wanted to do more private work. So a big welcome to Dr. Ashes Palmer. Hello, Harry. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on today with your podcast. No, 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 no. It's been a great pleasure there. Um, so let's get straight into it. So um, if you can tell me a little bit about your journey into dentistry and how you got into uh, mainly cosmetic dentistry. Sure, Harry. Um, I qualified in 1991 at Guy's Hospital in London. And uh, upon qualifying, I went into partnership and uh, me and my partner, we got three practices uh, in and around London. And uh, gradually we sort of built them up. And then um, when Larry Rosenthal was a top uh, dentist in America, when he first came to UK, we went to a lecture of his. And that was really the turning point for me. It was such an inspirational, amazing lecture uh, that that uh, gave us a quest or the hunger to learn more about cosmetic dentistry. And yeah. then we really went back and forth to America, you know, for um, the annual, uh, the uh, American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry conferences every year. And then by doing that, we started to meet top dentists there in America and business coaches. And then we did the various levels of training with uh, Dr. Larry Rosenthal. So bit by bit, the aesthetic dentistry developed. And then, as you know, Harry, that once you get the aesthetics right, you soon realize the function and longevity is very important. Yeah. So then I began the journey on occlusion training, again, from the top masters in America. So it's been a long road, and but my quest was always to learn from the very best. And bit by bit, we did that. And, you know, 30 years later, we're sort of enjoying the benefits of that. And then we also set up our own academy, training academy. So we've been running courses for many years. And for me, it's humbling that, you know, dentists want to learn and and come and sort of, uh, you know, share. If, if I can share knowledge and help people, then that's great, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah perfect. And um, you mentioned, obviously, you travel to America a lot. Um, a lot of young dentists say, how do, how do I explain to my partner how I'm going to America a lot or overseas a lot? Any secrets or tips that... <laughs> So your partner doesn't get angry when you're going abroad all this time? <laughs> did, you well, ask, I mean, did you ask for permission or did you just say, okay, I need to go? Well, <laughs> well luckily my wife is very understanding. And yeah, I mean, me and Raul were together. But yeah, I mean, some trips we did together. I mean, uh, one particular trip, I remember uh, the AACD meeting was in Vancouver. So our kids were little, we went as families and we did the Rocky Mountain train journey and we had one week holiday, ended up in Vancouver, did the AACD course and came back. So, you know, it's a mixture of things, but a lot of the trips were with staff as well. Cause you know, when you're learning skills, you want your staff to come on a journey with you as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. So that, that, that's the way we did it. And I think it's a lot easier now because I remember in the 1990s, there wasn't many UK pioneers and we were all learning from the Americans. And now you guys obviously yes. back to the UK. So luckily for the dentists and their marriage, they don't have to travel too much <laughs> overseas. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, thing. Things have moved on tremendously in the UK now, Harry. So, you know, there's a lot of skill and expertise in our country, a lot of top um, educators and people that can share knowledge. So, yeah, I mean, there are you know, very great guys in America, but right now in the UK, we should be proud also that I think we've caught up. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
Um, I remember you saying um, when you had your factors and your training academy, you're talking about change people's lives and make them small. So um, where did that come from and what does it mean? Sure. Um, that's a sentence which I think in essence labels me in, in sort of one sentence. Uh, what I mean by that is the impact we can have on patients is tremendous. I mean, for me, the best buzz I get is when I give the patient the mirror at the end of their treatment and whether it's a beautiful cosmic denture or you've done some porcelain veneers or whatever, is to see that emotional reaction and sometimes tears down their cheeks, you know, when they see that beautiful smile for the first time. So I think we, in one of the best professions on the planet, the impact we can have on people's lives is absolutely tremendous. How, how through a beautiful, natural-looking smile, their confidence can increase, they can uh, be more successful in their career, they can um, you know, uh, feel more confident about relationships, all sorts of things. The second thing is the impact on dentists. You know, For me, it's, it's amazing that if I train the dentist and I see them like eight, 10 years later, and you suddenly see they're thriving in their practice and they've implemented all the strategies. So that also makes me smile. And then the third thing is charity. I mean, uh, one of the charities we supported for many years is uh, for these very poor girls in a town called Vandavan in India. And these girls are really streetwise and very poor. And there's a couple of schools that take them in and you know they get some food. Um, uh, education and these things our children take for granted here but yeah. again I, I've been a number of times Harry and they get one simple meal a day something called kitchri which is less a rice based dish and, and that's their only meal for, for the day and you know when you serve that to them and you see that smile on their face that gives that inner joy as well and you feel grateful and appreciative of how much we have you know so whether it's a, it's, it's a poor child in India smiling or it's a dentist feeling good about what, what they've achieved or it's one of my patients, this is the sort of essence of what I mean by that. Yeah. And I'm sure um, our listeners can um, hear that. Obviously, you've been practicing dentistry for 30 years, but you're still very passionate about dentistry, the charity and the training. Um, mm. How do you keep that passion up? Okay. So I think uh, the important thing here, um, Harry, is that it's something I truly enjoy. I mean, if you don't enjoy something, then I don't think you last in that career or that job. So that's of paramount importance. The second thing is, is something I've become very good at. I mean, through it's a natural gift. You know, we all have a gift from God. This is my gift that with my hands, I can have the ability to just literally shape teeth and, and contour them and do some little, little things and suddenly the smile just looks unbelievable for that particular patient. So I'm, I'm very grateful that that's the gift I have. Yeah. And as we discussed, changing people's lives on a daily basis, that's what buzzes me up, you know, like you, we've got a beautiful practice, I've got a nice team, financial income is there, and you're serving people for health and improvement in aesthetics, you know. So it, it, it's the whole thing put together. It is what gives me that um, passion and that desire still to carry on the way I am. Yeah, and you can definitely hear it in your voice there. <laughs> Obviously, looking at some of the negatives, if there are any negatives, what are the challenges that you find dentists facing when they're doing high-end cosmetic dentistry and complex cases? That's a good question, Harry. So sometimes I'm finding that youngsters are just qualifying and diving straight into big cosmetic cases and want to do stuff on Instagram. I think you've got to be very cautious. Yeah. There are certain types of patients you've got to be aware of. And you learn, through, you learn about this through experience, to be honest. 
Firstly, is people with very high expectations. You know, if someone's got very high expectations, if they're very beautiful and they've got nice teeth already and they're coming to you for, say, veneers, yeah. you've got to be like really thinking like, you know, is this a case I want to take on? The yeah. second thing, um, these days, as you know, there's a proliferation in social media and there's peer pressure and there's a certain way or standard that women or people want to look and that, you know, so that puts pressure on people. And this I'm finding increasingly is bringing people with psychological or anxiety issues and worries. And that can yeah, that can be, be difficult. Sometimes a patient may have something called polymorphic dysmorphia, where, you know, they're always looking for things to improve or something's not good enough and they want something else done. And so, you know, these are like tricky patients to maybe start treatment with because the minute you 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 do the first bit of treatment you're in a way married to that patient so i think it's important to select your cases carefully and uh, walk before you run basically yeah. and it's similar in facial aesthetics obviously we're dealing with appearance you get patients with very sometimes very unrealistic expectations and body dysmorphic disorder um, and yes. once you touch it it's your problem it's your ownership um obviously you're quite experienced and you can turn pace to it so what tips would you give to youngsters that may be not maybe persuaded by patients how do they say no or how could they handle a situation where someone's got unrealistic expectations i think number one is if you don't feel confident or comfortable starting a case then definitely refer on or just suggest to the patient it says something beyond you even i sometimes say that to patients that i can't even do it you know, sometimes if there's difficult implant cases, I'll refer to a top dentist, top dentist like Shok Seti or someone. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you've got to be humble, humble enough and understand. If you cannot meet someone's treatment needs, don't start the treatment. That's the biggest advice I can give. And start with simpler cases. You know, sometimes you have a nice patient with realistic expectations and, you know, it's just a nice patient in inverted commas. That's a good one to start your first sort of case on, you know, that type of thing. But yeah, I mean... There's many different clinical procedures. Go on the right training once you feel confident. At some point, you've got to dip your toe in the water and start. So I'm not saying don't start, but pick your patients carefully. Now, that's an interesting point because um, Cecilia Young said so they'll see KOLs and gurus that I think they do all the cases. And it's good for you to say that you sometimes refer difficult cases onto someone that is more suitable for that particular patient. 100%, yeah. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, um, for the interview training. So like me, you want to train the academy and like sharing knowledge. So um, yeah. tell us a bit more about your training academy, please. Um, yes. So currently I'm offering two main courses, Harry. Um, there's something called the Veneers Masterclass course, which is a two-day bespoke course training all about uh, uh, Aesthetic ceramic strations. Um, in the UK, there's some top dentists teaching composite uh, veneers and composite techniques. So I felt there's a gap in the market a few years ago on the high-end, uh, hands-on type of course training with porcelain veneers. So that's why we launched this. And Touchwood has been really successful. We've done eight of those so far, and all of them have been sell out. We've got 21 dentists each time. Um, so, so that's working well. Uh, we, we're picking London because we're finding that's the hub and people can travel all over the country and come to London. So that's working nicely. And then once a year, I do this eight-day aesthetic, restorative and occlusion course, which you did many years ago with me. And that's a hand-drawn course where up to six dentists 
this can bring a patient and under my supervision do a full smile makeover case start to finish. So that's a very, very comprehensive course. Uh, it's done in two days, two days, two days, two days, like four sets of two days. Uh, yeah. It normally starts around about June and we end around about November. And we have up to 11 dentists in my own practice uh, coming to do that particular course. So that's something I enjoy. And with my commitment towards private practice, I find these are the main two things I can offer. Doing the Veneers Masterclass courses four times a year and doing this hands-on course once a year. I also do some sort of lectures. And so this year, for example, I've been invited to speak in Dubai in September at this laser conference. And then in October, I'm honored to speak at the WCLIA, the laser conference in Kuala Lumpur. So that'll be nice. So yeah, I mean, um, again, to achieve a balanced life, I, I don't want to take on too much. So I'd rather offer a limited amount. And obviously, then then, then the demand is there for, for dentists to come on there, yeah? Yeah, I could definitely vouch for your training because, as as I alluded to earlier on the beginning of the podcast, um, you were you were one of the first courses I went on to when I was um, going into private dentistry. Um, so, okay, um, let's have a look. So, um, for the dentist listening here, um, what are the top five tips you would say on how to become successful? Okay, so success can be measured in many different ways, but let's assume we're talking about your career in dentistry. Then the first tip I'll give is invest in yourself. Yeah. When you these days, I'm seeing um, young dentists qualifying, and they've got very limited practical experience, to be honest, Harry. And that to me is worrying because they're going to start doing patient treatments, and you need experience. So go on further training once you finish your your sort of, uh, degree. Second thing is uh, whether you're an associate or an established principal, it's very important to have the right equipment and the dental materials. And sometimes there's various technologies we have, like camera equipment, uh, digital scanners, lasers. You know, if you don't have the right equipment and the tools, you can't do the job perfectly. Yeah. Um, the, third, the third tip I have is use the right labs. You know, every lab is not the same. And sometimes just trying to cut corners or have something cheap is not necessarily going to give you the best fitting or the best aesthetics or whatever, you know. So if you want those Instagram perfect cases, then you need to use top labs, I think. Um, the, fourth, the fourth thing, which I think is not taught as well, um, is all about communication and verbal skills and how to actually handle people. So this is an art and there's an art in ethical selling, like the way we meant to do it in dentistry. So this is something we've mastered and we've been, we're very fortunate. We've been trained by top people like Bill Blatchford, who was my mentor 20 years ago. And yeah. so really communication and verbal skills is important. And I think the final thing is whichever path of dentistry you're choosing to go down, pick, choose your mentors carefully. So if anyone was facial aesthetics, you know, your name comes number one on my list. If someone wanted to do some implants and you have to point them in the right direction. So, you know, there are various fields of dentistry and I think you've got to choose your mentor carefully. Someone with a lot of experience, knowledge and reputation. So these are, I suppose, five things I would, I would suggest. Uh, thank you, Ash. And, and I agree with all of them. And, you know, uh, everyone thinks that everyone succeeded by themselves, but we've all had mentors, teachers, mm -hmm. educators that have helped us. And I remember Tony Robbins saying, uh, compress decades into days, learn from their <laughs> mistakes and learn from um, their tips. Um, so obviously talking about obviously not doing too many courses, having a balanced life, work-life balance. 
And obviously, we're all trading time for money, trying to fight time. So how do you manage a work-life balance? Because I know you've got a family as well. <laughs> yeah, it can be difficult. But one of the things I do, Harry, um, is start early. So I'm part of this 5 a.m. club. I get up at 5 in the morning. And um, even if it's Saturday, Sunday, maybe weekend, I'll get up a little bit later. But, but the, the purpose of that is I think the morning time is quite a sacred time. A lot of important things that matter to you in life can be done in that time. Whether you want to study, you want to meditate, you want to reflect, you want to do journaling. So for me, that morning time is great for chanting or spiritual mantra meditation. I then go to the gym and I'm normally in the gym by 7.15 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll do some exercise, tennis or whatever. And then and then, and then then I do a quick sauna jacuzzi or if I've got time and then, and then shower and within two minutes I'm at work because it's just around the corner. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to feed your body, your mind and your soul. The whole balance is important there. Yeah. From a work point of view, I, I've had a philosophy of trying to work for four days a week. So I take Thursdays off. So tomorrow I'll go and play golf in the morning. This is more about me time. And then weekend, you try and keep it free for just catching up with family and things like that. So I think dentists are very used to timetabilizing things and making appointments because that's how we work. But we almost need to structure the work-life balance carefully. And we have loved ones. Remember them. Find time for them. Because in the busyness of life and and sometimes there are pressures, Harry. You know, when you're a new new dentist or new practice, you know, you've got that thrust and that vigor. You want to really be working and thriving in the business. And that can take a lot of time. It is difficult. But I think we need to find time for balance and focus on all, all these important areas of, of, the, of, of life, yeah? Yeah, and no, I, I echo exactly that. And I learned the hard way. I was getting burnt out, overworking. And one mm. of my mentors said you've got to have balance in the five Fs. And he called it family, faith, finances, fun, and fitness. And yeah, yeah balancing all those, because we, we all know really um, wealthy people that got unhappy marriages, on unhappy family life, or on the vice versa, we've got some people that do a lot of charity work, really generous, but are struggling financially. So you want a balance in all. Yeah, you want to be earning good money, but also not just focus on the money aspect. Yeah. absolutely Harry. yeah absolutely yeah so yeah going back to your um dental education and academy so you're going obviously doing that national conferences going internationally yeah. um as you said there's a lot of choice same like facial aesthetics there's a lot of people running academies so why should a dentist choose you over someone else Okay. Um, I think the first thing is the experience. So I'm, I've been working 30 years as a dentist and you obviously learn through mistakes. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes over the years and that's one very important learning uh, curve. The second thing is that I've, I've chosen to learn from the very best. So all my knowledge and IP now is, is, is from the top guys in the world. So so, like you said, what Tony Robbins says, change decades to days, and that's a, that's a great way to look at it, really. You know, it's a fast-track way to you know, achieving success or doing something very special in your career, you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing I feel is that I'm, I've been told I've got more like an inspirational style of teaching, and a good teacher has the ability to make something complex easy to understand yeah. and also make it practical and easy to apply when you go back to work on Monday morning and then I suppose 
finally, from my point of view, Harry, I'm, I'm quite an open nature. When I'm teaching, I, I'm quite giving, as in I give a lot of information, knowledge, and share uh, share tips and tricks, which a lot of dentists sometimes keep behind, and maybe they want you to do further courses and stuff like that. With me, you know, I'm never worried about competition and my training, my competition, nothing like that, because... You know, you I know how, how how I am as a dentist. Someone else, if they can become successful, then good luck for them. The universe has plenty of work out there for all of us. No, no, I definitely agree with that about abundance mentality. And yeah, I can definitely say you're very open, no secrets, share everything. Yeah, going back to what you said, making complex things easier. I just wish my restorative lecturers at university when they were teaching occlusion learned from you because they just battled <laughs> occlusion doing that. Um, university uh yeah. so we have we were having a chat uh, before we started recording this podcast and something i didn't know is that you sold your practice to corporate mm. last year um yeah. as a lot of dentists obviously we've got different age groups people looking at exit strategy um so explain what made you choose a corporate how did it proceed and how's it going now Sure. So I'm 53 now, Harry, and about a year and a half ago, uh, I started thinking about exit strategy, exactly the one you mentioned. My wife's a dentist, so I, I, I saw, considered the option of selling the business. Yeah. Now, what happened is 2021, after COVID, was our best year ever. In 11 years of having the practice, from a financial point of view, we had the highest turnover and profit ever. So okay. the, the practice was valued on that basis. So naturally, it was an optimum time financially to consider selling it okay. the second the, the the second thing is that if you join a corporate like portman dental who we sold to um they tie you in for like say five year period or something so i'm thinking you know if i'm 53 now and i'm going to be working since say 58 then the type of work i'm doing with the intensity it has you know i i, I don't start thinking about retiring three or four years later and then i'm going to work another five years yeah. so for me trying to get in it earlier was an important thing but perhaps more important than these things, I wanted to free up my mind a little bit and avoid trying having the headaches of running the business. And uh, the reason for that is I want to develop myself going forward more on a spiritual basis and find time to do other things. And also finding time with family. I mean, right now, my parents are 78 and 76. Uh, our son and daughter, they're grown up. Uh, one, uh, our daughter's doing dentistry at King's. Our son is 18. You know, they grow fast and sometimes you need to find time to to share these things with them. Otherwise, life can just go by. So and then as time as time goes on, Harry, I'd like to do more traveling with my wife. You know, my wife's worked extremely hard over the years, uh, supporting the family and and keeping the, the household and everything. And I think once both kids are at uni, there's a nice opportunity to 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 travel and do other things in life. So I think it was a mixture of reasons. And I'm glad I took that decision. Uh, however, once you join a corporate, remember they're an organization. As, as a principal, you lose that control. So, you know, there are, there are certain frustrations one has. I've been there one year now. But overall, I think Portman is one of the best corporates in the UK. And um, I don't have any regrets um, uh, selling the practice. But sometimes I think you have to have a very uh, clear mental strength to understand you don't own the practice anymore. And uh, if you want something or it takes time to get a decision from them, you just got to be very patient and understanding on that point. But other than that, I think it's been fine, yeah. So if a dentist is thinking of selling, having an exit strategy, what 
period, what time period should they be planning? Two years ahead, three years? What's your advice? Sure. Uh, I, I think you should definitely plan two, three years ahead because the goal is to increase your output turnover as high as you can so that the valuation comes out favorably. Remember, corporates work on a very mathematical model. They'll come analyze the practice. If they like it, they'll they'll start to want to see some accounts and everything's mathematically worked out for, for you, you know? So, so it is probably heading more towards, I mean, the type of practice we have is a niche practice like you had when you sold yours, uh, Harry. And these type of practices, you know, it is an expensive practice for an independent to really consider buying. So sometimes if you're getting a good package with a corporate, I think that could work out nicely. So there are options available, but definitely even since a year, in one year, the practice values have gone down because the whole world is different, right? Yeah, yeah. The economy is different. Portman took over Dentex officially. So, you know, uh, before you could have one valuation from Portman, another one from Dentex and try and sort of, you know, cross compare the two. Right now, all that's been taken out of your hands. So um, there are other smaller corporates. So I think whenever someone's thinking of retiring, my, my only top advice is don't leave it till you're 60, 65 and then start thinking about it, you know, because life is too short. You don't know what's around the corner. You, you want to enjoy life a bit as well whilst you've got your health, you know. And it's funny you were saying yeah yeah when the kids go to university you and your wife will travel i think my wife's got the opposite idea when the kids go to university i think that's when she's going to get rid of me and stuff <laughs> oh, yeah, i'm sure i'm sure that's not the case Harry. <laughs> so you mentioned obviously yeah you don't want to work until you're like 60 odd and you want to do more spiritual stuff um so let's have a look let's touch a little bit more on the spiritual development contribution charity stuff that you do um, so if you want to explain okay. what you do and why these are important to you. Thank you. Um, so Harry, when someone understands that uh, we all have a soul within us, we're not our true identity is not this body, but it's your soul within you. Yeah. That simple realization that the soul has an innate nature of being very compassionate, and wanting to offer love and receive love. If you just understand, if everyone just understood this, then there'll be a lot more happiness and peace in the world. Yeah. So understanding that point, then you start to begin to think of higher goals. You know, is there a divine source there? Is there a higher purpose? Is there God there? You know, and then if you feel you want to connect with the divine, then that could be another goal you have, you see? Okay. Um, and when you look around us right now, Harry, there is so much suffering in this material world. Yeah. In uh, in our Vedic scriptures, we call it Maya. Maya means it's just the material world we're in. If you look at the, there's a lot of relationship problems, anxiety, alcoholism, war, killing of each other, uh, and you know all sorts of things. Nonsense is going on. So then you start thinking you know, there must be deeper happiness or further happiness somewhere else. And this is where developing a strong spiritual core within or or trying to elevate yourself in a different way prepares you. Because in life, four things you can't avoid. Birth, death, birth, death, old age and disease, you know. And if something happened, like say you had a terminal illness or something, by having a very strong spiritual core and having a true understanding of your identity, your real identity, and your identity with the divine, then actually prepares you for, 
for for leaving this world in a much stronger way. So I, I think I've got to a point where in my life now, before the charity that we serve was this, like I said, for the poor children in, in India, which I still like. But what I'm now increasingly doing is thinking about how can I actually touch someone's life and help them develop in a spiritual pathway, which would be more meaningful, more powerful for their own journey in this world. So that's the way I'm beginning to think now, Harry. Okay. And so you're um, running an event on 12th of August, 2023. Yeah. If you want to mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about that, please. Yes. So following on from that, that thought process about, um, you know, how can I help others, especially dentists, because, I mean, I, I, I sort of train a lot of dentists and, and I know a lot of dentists. So I thought, well, how can I go about doing this? So, so there's, a, there's a monk um, called Keshav Maharaj. He's about 41 years old. But he's someone who I who I um, look up to a lot. He's, he's a very elevated soul and he's, he's a master at teaching Vedic wisdom. So he, he's, he's launched a concept called Think Gita. Think Gita. So Gita is our uh, is like, like a Vedic scriptures from the past and it's got a lot of important knowledge in there. But what Keshav Maharaj is doing very nicely is that he's, he's teaching it in a practical way that you can apply for modern day living. Not only that, he's also adding some connections with personal development books and things that people can relate to. So to me, this is very, very inspiring because it's a very high level of thinking, simple living, but high thinking. And to serve him and, and you know, try and propagate this message of Thingita is something that's now inspiring me in terms of my time or charitable contribution. No, that's perfect. And for our listeners, we'll put the link um, for that retreat on 12th of August on this podcast. Uh, and it's actually, I'm looking forward to it because I'm attending myself. Uh, my wife is coming as well. Um, so, um, so for any dentists that are interested, why should they not miss this amazing opportunity? Okay, Harry. So, you know, I've been doing a lot of courses over the years. And for me, this particular day, 12th of August, I'm more excited about this day than any course I've ever laid there. I'll tell you for why. It's in a beautiful setting. It's at the uh, special place in Watford, which George Harrison donated to the Hare Krishna movement. So it's a beautiful, really, really nice surroundings. Yeah. Um, the, food, the food is going to be exquisite. So we're going to have, enjoy really nice food. There's going to be up to 100 dentists attending. That's our goal. And... And we want dentists who are interested in finding out a higher purpose in life, who really want to uh, become successful, not just materially, but in other ways as well. If you, if you have a quest or desire to become successful in that way, then this is a great, great course. Um, one of the lectures that I'm doing that day for now is all about communication and how to do do uh, deal with different types of people and personalities. So this is almost going to be like a masterclass of 30 years of my communication skills are distilled into now. So I'm excited about that. Geshe Maharaj is going to do a very special lecture. We're going to have a session on wellness and well-being because there can be stresses in life personally or at work as dentists. So that's going to be nice. And then in the evening, at the end, we're going to do something called mantra meditation, which is very re just relaxing music in a very calming way. And this this for me is very beautiful. I, I sort of enjoy that every day in my life. And for me, it's going to be something special just to share with the audience that come that day. And I think another amazing thing is going to be the Q&A session with Kashan Marat. 
So you'll spend about 45 minutes answering any question from the audience. So that's very exciting because I've seen him in action when he does this. And, and yeah, it's, 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 I think it's just going to be a great fun day. Something different for me, but that's what makes it exciting, really. Yeah, something different for our listeners. I'm looking forward to, said, the 12th of August. As I said, we'll put the link into um, this podcast episode. Ash has kindly, without any pushing um, for me, offered 20% off for any listeners to this pod, my podcast. Um, we'll put the special code um, in the podcast link as well. So there'll be the link for the event on the 12th of August with the special promo code to get 20% off. Hopefully see some of my listeners there that I haven't met face to face. Um, thank you, Ash. It's been really exciting, revealing in terms of both, obviously, as a career as a dentist, how to progress, but also looking at that work-life balance, balance, that spiritual level, which a lot of people regret they didn't do earlier on. And when they come to retirement, they eat it too, too knackered or got some Ill, illness, they can't enjoy their life or that money they've saved. So it's been a yeah. really too balanced. So any final comments you would like to make to our listeners before we wrap up? Yes, um, I just want to thank you, Harry. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the tremendous progress you've made. Uh, I, I remember years ago when you were an associate, you came on our course, then then you were brave enough to set up a beautiful practice which you ran successfully. And now you've gone on to write books and inspire many, many people doing this podcast stuff and, and you know, having influence internationally as well. So, you know, for me, it's an honor to... To, to work with top people and it's almost like a mastermind class we want to rub off each other and help each other so i just want to thank you for for everything you've done and the contribution towards dentistry and human properties i mean you know uh, dentists uh, you, you you've had a prominent position of helping dentists in achieving financial success through property development which you know when you make money one thing is making money the, the other thing is how to look after it and make it grow so you know all, all these things are important in life so so well done. So thank you again for having me. <laughs> um, obviously, the listeners won't be able to see, but I'm probably blushing now so, with all that praise. But no, no, it's been a real <laughs> Um I'm really proud to call you as a good friend, mentor, and outstanding dentist. So thank you, Ash. And um, I'm sure the listeners will appreciate all your words of wisdom.